Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the Current Account Podcast. Well, there's one common thread between Baidu's Mastercard and Bharat Pay. No points for guessing it, right? It's Mr. Rajneesh Kumar, the former chairman of State Bank of India. Mr. Rajneesh Kumar joins us today to decode how happy he is with the progress made at Bharat Pay so far, what entails in his journey at Mastercard. and more importantly we ask him this question a bank or a fintech what's more fun to work with listen into this interesting conversation that i had with rajneesh a couple of days back one of the things that we very often hear is that uh, you know banks have a certain way of working and fintechs have a certain way of uh, grow, uh, working um and largely the difference is in in terms of their approach to growth banks are very calibrated fintechs have to double the book month after month and this is like an unwritten uh, uh, thing for fintechs is this something that you find it uh, as an issue as, as something a little uh, unreasonable to grapple with because you've been a career banker for you quality is very important and consistency is another thing that uh, that you sort of uphold as as very uh, important when uh, we talk about growth owing to that or so i don't know what exactly uh, the consensus or the impression that a lot of us have also uh, somewhere built in is that the growth has slowed down for bharat pay would you agree with this and uh, which would you prioritize when when you approach growth uh, in bharat pay's uh, uh, financials one is that uh, there is no doubt absolutely that the way new age companies the startups of index work is different than the legacy institutions in uh, legacy institutions also there are targets it's not that there are no targets but yes new age companies they have shown very fast they have shown new ways of thinking and working and uh, that's why if you look even at how they are perceived in the market and how the legacy institutions are perceived there is a difference so absolutely no doubt the role because you are talking about my role so the roles are also different when you are a full time executive or in a executive position it is different mm-hmm. when it is a non executive it is big different so we have to you have to differentiate between the roles when uh, i was handling executive roles mm-hmm. and when i am handling non executive so the the day to day operations the the performance it is of course a collective responsibility of the board and key management personnel including md and ceo the responsibility uh, lies more on the shoulder of md and ceo board gives the strategic directors sets the target agrees to a performance plan so the relationship is slightly different so i just wanted to clarify that and both are equally exciting if uh, if the legacy institution the state bank if it was not exciting why would you be there for 40 years sure everybody may not find or share that same excitement but i was really passionate about what i was doing in the state bank in every capacity whether junior mid level or senior or at the top position and the uh, same enthusiasm and excitement i carry to whatever i currently do about uh, bharat pay its performance this is some sort of a canal which is being spread that the growth is slow maybe we are not adding merchants at the same pace 
that could be true. The focus now, apart from corporate governance, that uh, that part is by and large not looking clear. Even when we were putting all the infrastructure in place, there were a lot of issues uh, which needed to be tackled, but the focus on the business never went on. But there is a change in the strategy. The strategy is towards having more profitable margins, for example. And mm-hmm. we have adopted our own criteria. What is our uh, criteria for selection of the margins? So one way is just you just keep on adding the margins. And mind, we have to be mindful of the fact that if you keep on adding the margins, there's a cost associated with it. Mm-hmm. So the focus has been shifted uh, on profitability. We as uh, the acquirer of the budget in partnership with our bank, so we have shifted our strategy. So then you know, the number-wise, if you like the numbers of budgets added up, there you may feel there is growth. But if you look at the other side where we facilitate mm-hmm. loans for these budgets, so the, we are growing at a decent rate. And the numbers speak for itself. And uh, we are also mindful of the fact that if you are in lending business, so you can't be over aggressive. Uh, you have to strike a balance. There is a proper credit risk underwriting mechanism. We do our own filters. The partners, uh, they have their own underwriting standards. And uh, the regulatory guidelines, digital lending guidelines, mm. these came about uh, seven, eight months back. Mm. So Bharat Pay has ensured that as a partner or a facilitator, we fully understand that what is the expectation from our partners who are directly regulated by Reserve Bank of India and not do anything which would be non-compliant. Looking from every perspective, because you cannot ignore the ecosystem, Mm. When you are talking about growth or numbers or mm. performance, the times four years maybe back would have been different. Today they are different. Uh, there is a more regulatory oversight on everything you do, despite not being directly regulated. Compliance at Bharat Pay, that is a top priority. Governance is a top priority and business growth is a top priority. It is never and should never be in any organization that it is either or. Uh, you have to do all things. The, the company is here to do business, it will do business. The company is here to do business in a compliant manner, it will do business in a compliant manner. Fair point. Mm-hmm. So that is what the company is doing. Numbers, if you read statistics, can obviously be misleading. So selectively, you can read out some number and say that Bharat is not growing that fast. But that's not true, because uh, you look at the numbers, which the current board and management's philosophy, go by the numbers from the philosophical and business strategy perspective, then I would say we are doing perfectly all right. Right now, there are talks about uh, ongoing fundraise for about $100 million. Uh, what would you see this uh, capital requirement for? Would you call it as growth capital? Is it surviving capital? Because a lot of things in the past have been undone. 
how would you categorize this money and where exactly at what juncture are we at today uh, in terms of bringing in this capital into hold is there going to be uh, fresh deployment from existing uh, investors or completely new names entering bharat pay if you can throw some color on that sir one is that whatever funds you raise they should be always done in time and and uh, we have sufficient cash sitting in our there's nothing that uh, we need funds for sir so definitely the funds would be raised depending upon what is needed for the growth of the company and it could be for investment purposes we have acquired npfc and uh, we are a majority stakeholder there mm. and uh, it could be for the business scope opportunities but definitely uh, not for survival you have acquired an nbfc recently would you look at any other acquisitions for you to uh, scale up uh, is that something that uh, this round of funding could help you with acquisition is by uh, you can't do acquisition at one at a time okay. bring it to a certain level and then think so uh, first whatever you have done make it up running run fast and then when the opportunity arises when you are ready then look at other options but right now it is not on the table first you were appointed at bharat pay then byjos as an assignment came onto your fold and now there is mastercard and in bombay you are being seen as the fixer of all troubles your stint at sbi was also one where you had to completely rehaul the bank it was going through the deepest of asset quality crisis and when moved out of it i think a large part of the asset quality also issues also moved along outside you are seen as the person to repair and fix things is this something that Uh, you enjoy doing or it's uh, it's just how things have worked for you yeah so like uh, doing the routine things don't excite you isn't it yes so it has always to be something different if such opportunities come so i enjoy that mastercard did go through a tough time although uh, when compared to byjus or bharat pay this is a less demanding opportunity but it did seed some bit of market share when uh, uh, the company was put on embargo for almost a year there was a stiff competition that it's even now facing from visa and uh, uh, rupay uh, in your position as chairman of the company what would be your key agenda how would you look at uh, renewing growth at mastercard Uh, whatever is expected of the chairman of board i will perform that role that is one and uh, as far as the growth is concerned india is a very important market and they have a very competent team whether it is like uh, asia pacific team or whether it is south asia team or india team uh, they have uh, a very competent team who know what to do uh, wherever uh, the inputs in terms of strategy or what needs to be done in the indian market mm. so uh, wherever uh, my contribution or role is required so that is always available or will always be available but uh, i have absolutely no doubt that uh, current team at mastercard they are uh, they have a plan and they have capability to execute that plan again sir uh, even on the card segment there was a time when cards were focusing a lot on b to c today the focus is uh, shifting towards b2b business uh, b2c in the last one year especially has got through a lot of regulatory changes and b2c is still a territory which is 
which seemingly is greener and uh, there is uh, there is better space to win there do you see this shift in trend as something that would continue for a while do you see something uh, deeper in this shift as well is there more money to be made in the merchant space now after uh, uh, doing enough of innovation with uh, the uh, consumer space you know, like this b2b and b2c i would like to clarify that exactly what you meant by that because any network whether it is visa master pay or whatever it is mm-hmm. they acquire merchants if they don't acquire merchant and if they don't have a network so card is of no use so first requirement is that they should have merchant network isn't it yes and that is the card insurance side because card insurance happens either through the banks or through a credit card company or a, uh, like sbi cards for example look okay. and debit cards it all happens through the banks so they are mm-hmm. saving for current account customers uh, so for a network they have to continue to expand their network of merchants for acceptance infrastructure and uh, uh, when it comes to issuing side then it is always and has always been a b2b issuance is not direct mastercard and we have not seen that they issue card directly to anyone it's all through issuers so there are like the way it works is card businesses that uh, there is the acceptance infrastructure mm-hmm. there, there are issuers and there are acquirers so these are the ecosystem players so i don't think there is any change in this what is the change the change i was referring to more like uh, now mandatorily giving uh, every customer an alternative of uh, the card cancelling out of uh, cards that have not been in use for a while or has not uh-huh. been activated within 30 days from day of issuance compliance has also increased a lot it's not about like uh, compliance is increased at all it is about that consumer is king uh-huh. that also believes in that philosophy right and that's what they have said so and consumer protection that is always always uh, mindful of mm. this fact that consumer should be protected there should be enough competition in the market so mm. that the consumer benefits and which is the right philosophy so you compete you take care of customers you do proper disclosures uh you bring out products uh, which consumers will favor so that is how again the competitive market works so, so this is the right way of uh, doing things and that is where you and me forget about my role as chairman of mastercard but we are consumers also uh, so as a consumer that is all benefit so there should be competition in my view mm-hmm. healthy competition in the market and the consumers rights they need to be protected there have to be proper disclosures about every product mm. and the consumer or customer should be able to make an informed choice and that choice should be available so i i would be very happy where i am given a choice to use any particular service or product and with full information and that is the advantage today of technology also yeah. you know like uh, when you are making a choice or decision about a product or service so much information is available that uh, if you do a little bit with little bit of effort and uh, you can get the best 
product which meets or suits your requirement. But whether it is cards or whether it is digital payments ecosystem, we're talking about uh, two sides of the same coin. Uh, do you see this as a positive uh, to create synergies between possibly a Bharat Pay and Mastercard being the common link in both these entities? Can it be advantageous to both of them? That helps that I am uh, in both the companies. So if there is a synergy, and mm-hmm. if the management and the boards of both the companies, where I am not the decision, mm-hmm. so if uh, they decide to collaborate or cooperate, that is always welcome. But as I said, that then. I have to keep myself away from such a decision. Sir, I have to ask you this. Which is more exciting for you? Which was more exciting? Being a banker, handling uh, balance sheets, which are called in terms of percentages of the GDP or working with a fintech. Which is which has been more exciting? Everything we try to put in, you know, comparisons. But if mm-hmm. somebody has worked for 40 years in an organization, so for me, it was exciting. For people... Who didn't find it exciting, they left the job. But I found it exciting, so I continued for 40 years there. Yes. And uh, after that, now, whatever I'm doing, I'm excited about it because at least in those 40 years, uh, there is at least a, uh, I would say compulsion, compulsion around survival, <laughs> compulsion about taking care of your family. But now, whatever I do, there is no compulsion whatsoever to what I do, mm. you know. It is just, even in, uh, at SBI or uh, there also I was by choice. And mm. wherever, whatever I am today doing, it is also by choice. But the circumstances are very different. One of the things that uh, you sort of had a big picture about when you were uh, the chairman at SBI was, you know, you envisaged it to be a $4 billion fintech opportunity. So that was like, uh, again, uh, the, the theory of relativity was for there were companies which were losing a lot of money and were valued at 60 right. to 50 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And Euro was profitable, yes. making money. So I said mm-hmm. that if loss, loss making companies can be 16 to 20 billion dollars, then Euro should be worth 40 billion dollars. So it was on the cuff remark in a conversation like this. The different matter that it caught the attention and then later on Lucas has also said that yes, uh, it could be a right valuation for you. Because it is embedded within uh, SBI, that valuation doesn't get reflected in the valuation of SBI. One of the recommendations that's sort of uh, been put forth is also to increase the age of PSB achieves uh, from 60 to 65 for retirement. What sort of an impact this could have at people two level below uh, who have the aspiration to one day become the CEO or the chairman of the bank, would it not sort of uh, take away their opportunities if a similar uh, extension in retirement age is given to them? And the second part of the question is, by increasing the age limit, are we sort of acknowledging that, yes, there is a dearth of leadership uh, that is slowly getting created among uh, public sector banks? It is already quite pronounced in the private banking space. But uh, public banks, especially SBI, it has fed uh, CEOs uh, years after years across many banks. How do you how do you look at the whole proposal, sir? So uh, again, like uh, there are never straight answers to situation. If for private sector, the age is seventy, and it is today's time when people are healthy, right? So hmm. one case, one argument would always be. For the sake of continuity, 
at the top position, the age and the tenure should be increased. But there is a difference between private sector and public sector. Mm. In private sector, the people who are there in the organization, they know that this seat will never be or not easily vacated. Or that opportunity will arise once in 10 years or 15 years. So expectations accordingly get built and mm. we will adjust to that year. So the problem arises only when the rules are changed midway. So rules should never be changed midway. But if tomorrow there is a clarity, uh, the one argument is that uh, why can't be the public sector chiefs can be given up to 70 years like privates. So that is the one side of that. But on the other side of the argument, as you have mentioned, that there are people who are waiting in the wings. Mm. But if they know that they have to wait in the wings for five years, instead of three, they will wait for five years. And then if uh, because people calculate that uh, whether I have a chance or I don't have a chance. Calculate mm. that you know you don't have a chance, so you are just to that reality. So rules should never be changed. Midway, retrospectively, it should be always prospective. At the time of appointment of the incumbent, whatever term is given or whatever the terms of condition, I believe that the rest of the people who are waiting in the wings, they do their calculation accordingly. If at that point of time they know that this man is going to stay for 10 years, so the people who are about to retire in this tribute, they will not have expectations. So expectations are built by the rules. So whatever is the good, people will adjust to that reality. But the fact of the matter is that short stay and musical cheer game at the public sector banks, that also has its negatives. So more stability at the top and more rigor in the process of selection as is in the private sector. Because we can't seek parity with the private sector if we don't have the same rigor of the process from selection and it can Bring the organization. In private sector, they will show the book. In public sector, it is not easy to show the book. Mm. So the rigor of selection, clarity of rules. If that is there, then people will adjust to it. The way the public sector chairman or MD gets appointed or selected, the process is mm. different than what it happens in private sector. So drawing the analogy between the two will never work. Unless it is the same process and uh, too frequent changes or too many changes at the top, not only at MD or CMD level, but mm. even at uh, the uh, CXOs or the what you mm. call in uh, CO minus one. Mm. So that is a matter of concern in governance of the public sector. Right. The asset quality for the banking sector is pristine today. It, in a sense that it is somewhere, I mean, having seen numbers from 2015 to now, somewhere I end up thinking that, oh, this is just too good to be true. How do you look at it? Does it, does it ring an alarm for you or does it, does it calm you that this is how numbers should be? So like this is again uh, human nature. Mm-hmm. So it is good, so too good to be believed. When it is bad, then people believe uh, there is something hidden. And things should be more bad. Mm. So, uh, but uh, bank, what we have to understand that the banking sector in India and government-owned banks in particular, mm. they have passed through a very horrible and challenging time. And through sheer determination, hard work, effort, support from the government, support and guidance from Reserve Bank of India, mm. they have been able to come out of that situation. And the economy is going. 
there was time when uh, economic uh, economic growth coupled with the fact that uh, the investment growth is there and credit growth is there so there was uh, like uh, when we compare with what happened 3 4 years ago so we are in happy times and as the saying goes neither good times last nor bad times this is uh, this is the situation so if good times can last and last for longer so let mm-hmm. us wish for it but immediately as of now is observable of the economy mm-hmm. and the banking system i don't have much concern as far as the asset quality of the banks is concerned mm-hmm. so because of the disclosure requirement the system of recognition of npas all that has got a massive transformation mm-hmm. like automated systems to recognize npas there are no manual interventions the banks also have got their lesson where they are now more aggressive when providing for the bad loans so mm-hmm. the there's a shift in the philosophy because people have seen the benefit that once you have taken the pains and have gone through it let us not bring that situation again so unlikely to happen so if you recognize banking system so asset quality according to me because of the automation in the banking system to recognize and classify the assets correctly and second making adequate provisions for the losses or bets mm. so these two things have helped the banking system to show the results what they are showing today and going forward there is not going to be change in this situation good things do come to an end and with that it's a wrap on this edition of the current account podcast i'm your host hamsani kartik signing off until we meet next week take care we come back to you with an interesting guest and a very interesting topic bye bye